Welcome to Word to the Mother, a retrospective on 90s R&B and hip-hop. Here's your host, your girl, Charlie D. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Charlie D, the one who loves to talk 90s music. Today's episode features an artist known for his easy and smooth flow. All music described him as the savior of East Coast hip hop. He was number three on MTV's greatest MCs of all time. The source named him as number three on their top 50 lyrical leaders of all time. And in only a few years on the music scene, he created such a musical legacy that Rolling Stone and Billboard have crowned him as the greatest rapper of all time. Today's episode is on none other than the notorious B.I.G. Before we get into B.I.G., let's talk about what else was going on in the world when Ready to Die released in September 1994. Okay, September 94 was a big year for music and hip hop, specifically album releases. We had Craig Mack's Project Funk the World debut, Tupac's Thug Life Volume 1. We had Brandy's debut. See the episode on Brandy. I think it was in the first four episodes. Go back if you missed it. Luther Vandross, he had his album Songs come out um, right off the top of my head. I don't know what songs came out out of that one, but um, yeah, Luther. In top singles, we had Boys to Men's I'll Make Love to You, also released in September of 1994. The girl group Changing Faces, she had a song called Stroke You Up. I definitely remember that one. They might be featured in an upcoming episode on girl groups. That would be fun. Okay. Um, worth mentioning. This is not hip hop or R&B, but Elton John's Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I have to mention this because it's from The Lion King, which is my all-time favorite Disney movie. And it's a beautiful song, but that was a top single during that time. Coolio, he came out with Fantastic Voyage. Come along and ride on a fantastic... Okay, I think that was his debut. Um, Warren G, this DJ, also out September 94. It was a big month, y'all. It was a big year. Okay, my girl. At your best, you are love. Aaliyah, I told y'all it was a big year. I believe that was her first single. It was the first thing I heard from her. Just gorgeous. 
Tootsie Roll, 69 boys, the butterfly, uh-uh, that's old, let me see your Tootsie Roll, let the Tootsie Roll, um, we got more to say about that, later episode, the brat, funkified, I loved it, it, that song, I remember that summer it came out, I played it at nauseam, I learned all the words, I was obsessed with it, I was obsessed with the whole 70s vibe, girl rapper, I, sh- I love that one. Then it brings us back to Craig Mack's flavor in your ear. This was a big one. This was this was a really big hit in hip hop. And um, I, I think I'm going to mention this one a little bit later on. But um, yeah, September 94, big month for hip hop. Uh, as far as film releases, there's two that I want to mention. One is one of my top 50 movies. Um, it's an amazing film this would be the Shawshank Redemption. I'm sure everybody's seen it. If you haven't, what are you waiting on? Um, that was based on a short story. And the story is just as good as the movie. But excellent, excellent film. Another one that came out, it's relevant to hip hop. Because a lot of, well, it's relevant to the black community. And that is Jason's Lyric. Confession, I never really saw this movie but I heard about it. <laughs> I just know that everybody else seemed to really like it and was really into it. So I had to mention that one. So that was September 94. Okay. I wanted to spend just a few minutes reflecting on a one hit wonder or a popular song from a lesser known artist from the 90s. Artists that may not have had enough of the spotlight or the career to devote an entire episode to, but still contributed a worthwhile track. And today, I want to talk about one of my all-time favorite songs ever. And that is The Far Side's Passing Me By. Did I love this song? Released in March 1993 from their album Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, I must have saw this video on the Jukebox Network and I loved it. 
Even watching this video now in 2021, everything about this song is so dope to me. The samples, the bass line, the lyrics, the vocal delivery, even the way the members of Farside are hanging upside down throughout the video. And I think it was a combination of the theme of the unrequited love or schoolboy crushes that were not returned mixed with the high-pitched, almost squeaky delivery of the first MC, who I think goes by the name Booty Brown. Sorry, y'all. It's hard to tell looking up these pictures on Google. But the delivery of the first verse just really caught my attention. It didn't sound like anything I'd heard before and coming from a rap group. I picked up the single from Sam Goody and wore it out. So the song features a few prominent samples that are worth mentioning and checking out. First is Quincy Jones's Summer in the City, a song called 125th Street Congress by Weather Report, and from the great Jimi Hendrix experience, Are You Experienced? To check these out, go to whosampled.com and just enter Passing Me By. The song was produced by Jay Swift, and I think it's just genius. The Far Side is considered an alternative hip-hop group from South Central Los Angeles, and they actually made a whole lot more music than this, including another known single called Runnin', which is also on my hip-hop playlist and features another gorgeous sample from musician Stan Getz. But Passing Me By was their biggest hit, reaching number one on the Hot Rap Singles chart and peaking at number 28 on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Singles and Tracks charts in 1993. The Far Side went on to record many albums and there was even talk of a reunion after 25 years in 2020. But as for a new album, that has yet to be seen. And now on to our featured artist. On May 21st, 1972, Christopher George Latore Wallace was born in Brooklyn, New York, the only child to Jamaican parents who were never actually married. His father left the family when he was only two years old, leaving his single mother, Valletta Wallace, to raise him. While he did well in school, he was named big by his peers due to his large size. While his mom was often working long shifts and spending a lot of time away from home, Wallace began dealing drugs at the tender age of 12. It was in high school that he began rapping and attended George Westinghouse Career and Technical Education High School at the same time as future rappers Jay-Z, DMX, and Busta Rhymes. At 17, he dropped out of school and soon after was arrested in Brooklyn on weapons charges and given five years probation. He would then get arrested again for selling crack cocaine and served nine months in jail before making bail. According to Wikipedia, after he was released from jail, Wallace made a demo tape called Microphone Murderer under the name Biggie Smalls, a reference to a character in the 1975 film Let's Do It Again, as well as a reference to his stature, as he stood at six feet three inches and weighed 300 to 380 pounds. He had no intention of shopping around the demo, but it eventually drew the attention of Uptown Records and their producer, Sean Combs, who scheduled a meeting with him and quickly signed him. When Combs was fired from Uptown, he started his own label, Bad Boy, and Wallace signed with him instead. When he found the moniker Biggie Smalls was already in use, he began recording under the new name, The Notorious B.I.G. 1993 were proved to be a big year when things began happening for Biggie. In August 93, Biggie's longtime girlfriend gave birth to his daughter Tiana, which further fueled his desire to financially provide for her, 
promising to give her everything she wanted. And so he continued dealing drugs until Sean Puffy Combs convinced him to stop. Newly signed under Bad Boy Records and Arista Records, the notorious B.I.G., or Biggie as he would still be called then, began work on what would become his critically acclaimed debut album. But before he would drop his debut, he recorded several singles for other artists' albums, including Supercats, Dolly My Baby, and a track called Party and Bullshit for the Who's the Man soundtrack in the summer of 1993. Then, Mary J. Blige's What's the 411 and Real Love remixes in December 1993. Then the following year, in 94, he was featured on Craig Mack's song, Flavor in Your Ear, which went to number one on the Hot Rap Songs chart. Yeah, I gotta say, it's the remix version that always had my heart. More guns than roses, foes is shaking in their boots. A visible bully, like the gooch disappear, vamoose, you whack to me. Take them rhymes back to the factory. I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics, the shit is depressing, pathetic. Please forget it. You're mad cause my style you're admiring. Don't be mad, UPS is hiring. You should have been the cop, fuck hip hop. With that freestyle, you're bound to get shot. Not from Houston, but I rap a lot. Quick story about that song. I will never forget being in a shopping mall with my bestie at the time. This place called the Ricestown Road Plaza and a store, probably Metro 2, began playing this song. And we, two silly ass teen girls, dropped everything we were doing and just started dancing right there in the middle of the mall. Oh, life was so fun back then. It was so ashamed. Anyway. Working with producers like Sean Puffy Combs, DJ Premier, and Lord Finesse, to name a few, the completed album, Ready to Die, was released in September 1994. The first single, Juicy, dropped in August 94. Yeah, this album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. And all the niggas in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all good, baby, baby. Uh. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? I heard this song I immediately recognized the sample from the song Juicy Fruit by Mtume. Let me tell you my mom had this record and played it all the time and I was so little at the time I didn't know what they were talking about but I knew it was something dirty and adult and I probably should have been listening to it. 
But I remember a few times she would have this on while I had some friends over. And when it got to that lollipop line. Do what you want. I don't care. I'll be your lollipop. You can lick me everywhere. Juicy fruit. Y'all, I was like, ma. I was embarrassed. This song. <laughs> anyway. The song Juicy is a rags to riches tale where Biggie speaks of his personal experiences living in poverty, discovering rap music, hustling, and then making a new life for himself in fortune and fame. So anyway, Biggie sampled that and turns it into a huge hit. The chorus was sung by the girl group Total. And for a first single, this song would end up being one of the most highly acclaimed and praised rap songs ever. It went to number one on the U.S. Hot Rap Singles on Billboard, number 14 on the Hot R&B and Hip Hop Songs, and number 27 on the Hot 100. But the praise and recognition is so long. Just to name a few, Juicy has made it on the best of list of at least 10 different sources, including Blender Magazine's Top 500 Songs of the 80s and 00s, Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, Q Magazine's Greatest Hip Hop Songs, and also VH1, The Source, and BBC, just to name a few. Wikipedia writes that the song Juicy is largely considered one of the greatest hip hop songs of all time. Man, when I kind of start, where do you go next? Mm. The next single, Big Papa, was released four months later in December 94. Man, what to say about this song and video? First, rewatching the video, <sighs> so many memories. But the thing that stands out to me now is how Biggie was a new artist, but he had so many big names in the video, including Mary J. Blige and Busta Rhymes. The lyrics, the vibe was just mad bravado and swag before I even knew those terms. The song samples the Isley Brothers between the sheets, and the hook was so memorable and singable. Big Papa would go on to hit number one on the hot rap songs and number four on the hot R&B and hip hop songs. This song and video was just everywhere. The next single was One More Chance, released in June 95. There were several different versions of this, but the one that became more popular is the One More Chance Stay With Me remix, which featured vocals sung by Faith Evans.
things first, I pop up, freaks all the honeys, dummies, playboy bunnies, those wanting money, those the ones I like cause they don't get Nathan but penetration, unless it smells like sanitation, garbage I turn like doorknobs, heartthrob never, black and ugly as ever, however, I stay Gucci down to the socks. Turned out that the year prior in August 94, Biggie had married singer Faith Evans after they met at a bad boy photo shoot. She was working with the label doing backing vocals and writing for Mary J. Blige. The One More Chance video featured a ton of known artists, including Total, The Brat, Aaliyah, Queen Latifah, Mary J. Blige, Faith Evans, Luther Campbell, Craig Mack, and Cypress Hill, just to name a few. There was also a hip-hop remix with Total singing the hook on that one, too. The song went on to number one on the hip-hop R&B and songs charts and the hot rap songs chart. Ready to Die would eventually go on to become triple platinum and be regarded as one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Highly praised by critics, many focused on Biggie's detailed and vivid storytelling. Steve Huey of AllMusic writes that, quote, his raps are easy to understand, but his skills are hardly lacking. He has a loose, easy flow and a talent for piling multiple rhymes on top of one another in quick succession, end quote. He also went on to mention that his lyrics are, quote, firmly rooted in reality, but play like a scene from a movie, end quote. New York Times writer Torre wrote of Biggie that, quote, his lyrics mix autobiographical details about crime and violence with emotional honesty, telling how he felt when making a living as a drug dealer, end quote. The album takes you on a journey from his birth to early childhood, then into his early adulthood, and then finally into becoming his own as a rapper. By April 2018, Ready to Die will go six times platinum. In March 1995, Biggie appeared on Total single, can't you see? You just don't know what you do to me. Bad boy. Uh. Give me all the chicken heads from Pasadena to Medina. Bet big get in between your density. Yeah. Keep the prognosis, doses, blends and bends like Twizzlers. Biggest victim to hurt. What's under that skirt? Who filling them with octane? Got them gassed up. About to get blasted up, son. The last one heard the mother, brother miss him. I seen it when he kissed him at the wick. Made his body shoot. The high guy in 850. I smoke tin. Rack terror for chrome and terror. Shoes fly by the mirrors. The fifth is conspicuous. Bad boy slipped in 95. Ridiculous. My rap lines is like landmines. One step kaboom. Black suits fill the room. To whom it may concern, Junior Mafia is the click. Man, I remember being on the phone with my bestie Nikki and she was just gushing about this new girl group and this song. She put her phone up to the boombox and played Can't You See and I had to agree it was hard as hell. That James Brown sample of the song The Payback? Girl. I'm gonna have to get into that on a future Total episode. Another top 10 hit reaching number 3 on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. Also in 1995, the hip-hop group Junior Mafia debuted. Founded and mentored by Biggie himself, the group consisted of childhood friends including Lil' Kim and Lil' C's. Their debut album, Conspiracy, released with Biggie featured on four tracks. The first single released in May 95 was Player's Anthem. Oh, 
I'm surrounded by criminals, heavy rollers, even the shysty individuals. Smoking, skunking, mad fillies, beating down Billy badasses, cracks and stacks and masses. If robbery's the class, bet I pass it. Shit get drastic, I'm burying your bastards. Big Papa never softening, take it to the church, rob the preacher for the offering. Keep the fucker coughing up blood in his pockets like rabbit ears. Covet the wife, Kleenex for the kids' tears. Versace wear, Moschino on my bitches. She whipping my ride, counting my ones, thinking I'm riches. Just the way players play, all day, every day. I don't know what else to say. I've been robbing niggas since running them was singing. Here we go, snatching ropes at the Roxy homeboy. You didn't know my flow, detrimental to your health. The album Conspiracy went on to sell 68,000 copies its first week and later went gold. Biggie ended 95 on a high when he was named Best New Artist Solo, Lyricist of the Year, and Live Performer of the Year at the Source Awards and also won Album of the Year. At the Billboard Awards, he won Rap Artist of the Year. And if that wasn't enough, over the summer of 95, the notorious B.I.G. appeared on the cover of The Source with the caption, The King of New York Takes Over. I mean, knowing his story as a young kid idolizing rappers he saw in The Source, this must have felt amazing for him. In February 1996, when I turned 18, y'all, Biggie was featured on the third Junior Mafia single and my favorite song by them, Get Money. Love this song, especially Lil' Kim's verse, which I featured on episode number 13. If you didn't check it out, go back after this episode. Also, it's worth mentioning that the sample of Sylvia Stripling's You Can't Turn Me Away. Fire, honey. This reached number 17 on the Hot 100 charts and sold 1 million copies in the U.S. alone. I mean, at this point, Biggie pretty much had the Midas touch. In the spring of 96, the group 112 debuted their new single, Only You, off their self-titled debut album. Yep, Biggie was on that too. It was during this time that Biggie got involved in the rivalry between the East and West Coast hip-hop scenes. 
In an interview with Vibe, Tupac Shakur, once a good friend, accused Biggie, along with Sean Combs and Uptown Records' founder, Andre Harrell, of having prior knowledge of a robbery that resulted in him being shot five times on the night of November 30th, 1994. Though Biggie was at the same Manhattan-based recording studio at the time of the shooting, he denied being involved with that shooting. It was 2012 when it came out that the attack was really orchestrated by James Rosemond, entertainment executive and former drug trafficker. Tupac later signed with Death Row Records in October 95, intensifying the beef between his label and Bad Boy. In 1996, Biggie was arrested outside of a Manhattan nightclub for physically assaulting two fans who wanted an autograph. He was sentenced to 100 years of community service. In the summer of 96, Tupac released a diss track called Hit Em Up, claiming to have slept with Faith Evans, Biggie's then estranged wife. Biggie did not respond directly to this track, claiming it was not his style. Then in September 96, Tupac was shot multiple times and later died. This shook Biggie as many believe he has something to do with the murder. Though he also claimed that he never truly hated Tupac, the incident appeared to shake Biggie up a lot. Faith Evans spoke on this stating, quote, I think it's fair to say he was probably afraid, given everything that was going on at that time and all the hype that was put out on this so-called beef that he really didn't have in his heart against anyone, end quote. In October of 96, Faith gave birth to Biggie's second child, his only son, Christopher C.J. Wallace Jr., the following month, Lil' Kim's debut album, Hardcore, dropped, and the rumor was that Biggie and Kim were having an affair. In early 1997, Biggie got into a car accident with Little C's after renting a car with faulty brakes. He ended up with a shattered left leg while Lil' C shattered his jaw. This left him hospitalized for months and afterward confined to a wheelchair, which left him then forced to use a cane and go through physical therapy. I did not know anything about this accident. In January 1997, Biggie was involved in another legal dispute in which he was ordered to pay $41,000 in damages following charges of assault against him and his entourage. It was following this that he was quoted as wanting to focus on peace of mind and spending more time with family and friends. On March 8, 1997, Biggie attended the 11th Annual Soul Train Music Awards where he presented singer Tony Braxton with an award. After the ceremony, he attended an after-party hosted by Vibe and Quest Records in Los Angeles. By 12.30 a.m. the same night, the fire department closed the party down early due to overcrowding. Biggie left with his entourage and two GMC Suburbans to return to his hotel. He was riding in the front passenger seat along with Damien D. Rock Butler, Lil C's, and the driver, Gregory G. Money Young. Sean Puff Daddy Combs traveled in the other vehicle with three bodyguards. The two trucks were followed by a Chevrolet Blazer carrying Bad Boys Director of Security, Paul Alford. By 12.45 a.m., as crowds of people were leaving the party, Biggie's truck stopped at a red light about 50 yards from the venue. A black Chevy Impala pulled up alongside Biggie's truck. The driver of the Impala, a black male dressed in a blue suit and bow tie, rolled down his window, drew a 9mm blue steel pistol, and fired at the GMC Suburban. Biggie was shot four times. 
His entourage immediately rushed him to Cedars Sinai Medical Center. Very tragically, at 1.15 a.m., he was pronounced dead. Christopher Wallace, at just 24 years old and a father of two, was gone. According to autopsy reports released 15 years later, three out of the four bullets were non-fatal. Wallace's funeral was held on March 18, 1997 at the Frank E. Campbell Funeral Chapel in Manhattan. Among the 350 mourners at the funeral included Queen Latifah, Flavor Flav, Mary J. Blige, Lil' Kim, Lil' C's, Run DMC, DJ Cool Herc, Tretch from Naughty by Nature, Buster Rhymes, Salt and Pepper, DJ Spinderella, Foxy Brown, Sister Soldier, and many, many others. After the funeral, his body was cremated and the ashes were given to his family. Even more disturbing is the criminal case on who may have killed Biggie. While there was talking and speculation about who may have done this, no formal arrests were made and the case, as of this recording in July 2021, still remains open. Just crazy. If I remember correctly, I think I was working my part-time job, which was Papa John's Pizza in Pikesville, when I heard the news that Biggie was killed. I remember everyone, and I mean everybody, was sad and upset. I was shocked naturally. I mean, it had only been about six months since we lost Tupac. So my thoughts were, not again, not this. It was just really, really sad. 16 days after Biggie's death, his second and final studio album, Life After Death, was released and went to number one on the Billboard 200 charts. The album featured collaborations with artists such as Run DMC, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Lil Kim, Jay Z, Maze, Too Short, The Locks, and Puff Daddy. His Wikipedia page notes, quote, Life After Death exhibits the notorious B.I.G. further delving into the mafioso rap subgenre. The album is a sequel to his first album, Ready to Die, and picks up where the last album, Suicide Thoughts, ends, end quote. The first single, released only about a week after his death, was Hypnotized. Rolling Stone will go on to list the song as one of the greatest hip-hop songs of all time, and it would have the distinction of being the fifth song credited to an artist to hit number one posthumously since 1980. The hook was also sung by Pam Long from the group Total. The next single off his second album released in July 97 was Mo Money, Mo Problems. Uh, Jackson, holsters, girls on shoulders, play for 
I told ya, me and Mike to me, cruise too much, I lose too much. Step on stage, the girls boo too much. I guess it's cause you run with lame dudes too much. Me lose my touch, never that. Okay, so watching this video now in 2021 actually makes me laugh because I think it has many of the elements you see in memes making fun of 90s videos. You have the fisheye lens, the the garbage baggy clothes blowing in the wind, the glossy shininess of it. Watching Puff Daddy or P Diddy with Mace dancing around, <laughs> it's just funny. So many 90s videos were like this. I think some TikTokers have used cheese grates to emulate the same look. But the song was yet another hit, reaching number one on the Billboard 100 and the rap songs list. Singer Kelly Price sang the hook, which I never knew. The third and final track released from Life After Death was Sky's the Limit. Uh. A nigga never been as broke as me. I like that. When I was young, I had two pair leads. Besides that, the pinstripes and the gray. Uh -huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh -huh. While niggas flirt, I'm sewing tigers on my shirt and alligators. Uh -huh. You wanna see the inside? Huh. I'll see you later. They come the drama. Oh, that's that nigga with the fake. Uh -huh. Wow! Why you punch me in my face? Stay in your place. Play your position. Uh -huh. Here come my intuition. Uh -huh. Go in this nigga pocket. Rob him while his friends watch it. That hoes clock uh -huh. Here comes respect. His crew's your crew, or they might be next. Look at they man eye. Big man, they never try. So we roll with them, uh, stole with them. I mean loyalty. Niggas bought me milks at lunch. The milks with chocolate, the cookies, butter crunch. Hey, hey, Oscars and blue and white duck. Ask Sly. Sky's the limit, and I know that you keep on. Just keep on pressing on. Sky is the The video, which was directed by Spike Jones, is actually pretty cute because it features a young kid playing the role of Biggie and everyone else in the video is played by a child living the big rap dream. This one peaked at number three and featured the group 112 singing the hook. Biggie's second album, Life After Death, was nominated for Best Rap Album and the narrative picked up where Ready to Die left off. It was named number 179 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. It would later reach diamond status. It was a sad time for the fans within the music and specifically the rap world, but the music did not stop there. In August of 97, Biggie was featured on one of my favorite songs that he did. All about the Benjamins. let me tell you this came out in august 97 which is when i finally got myself a little beater car to take my butt to community college in I had no CD or tape player in my little red Pontiac, 
So while driving to and from school, I was 100% dependent on the radio to come through for me. And it did. When this song came on, which I would look out for because that guitar riff and bass line used to get me so pumped, I would go crazy trying my damnedest to profile in my little whack-ass car. I think it was my favorite song to drive to. This was actually Puff Daddy's song from his No Way Out album, and it featured Lil' Kim and the Locks. Another top 10 hit, it hit number one on the hot R&B hip-hop tracks and hot rap singles. Seriously, one of my favorites that summer. That song was so hot. The Notorious B.I.G. recorded a slew of songs that would later be released on future albums, but I need to mention two in particular. The first being Crush On You was dropped in June 97 by Lil' Kim. Biggie rapped the main hook on the song. Hot. Hot. One of Kim's best. The other song I need to mention, and to be honest, I didn't really know this song at all, but it's, it's kind of important because it was apparently the very last song Biggie recorded right before his death. It's called Victory, and it was Puff Daddy's song. If my ends you touch, kids are girl you touch. In this world I clutch, two auto, matos. Used to call me fatso, now you call me Castro. My rap flows, militant, y'all faggots ain't killing shit. Oops, Chris Stout keeps spilling shit. You overdid it, Holmes. You in the danger zone, you shouldn't be alone. Hold hands and say it like me, the most shady. Frankie baby, fantastic, graphic, trying to make dough like Jurassic. Hard dick, hit the spark apparently the song was recorded on march 8th 1997 the day before his fatal shooting it was not released until one year later in March 1998, but did have a video that paid homage to the movie The Running Man. Footage from Biggie in the One More Chance video was used to create a ghost-like image for the video. It ended up being one of the most expensive videos made at that time. Posthumously, Biggie released two albums, Born Again in 1999, which debuted at number one and sold 485,000 copies its first week. I mean, not bad. The songs were comprised of previously recorded verses with new beats and guest rappers such as Lil' Kim, Eminem, Method Man, and Red Man. Two singles were released from the album. The first was Dead Wrong, released in October 1999. Bad boy, baby. Mayor, the rap slayer, the hooker layer, motherfucker. 
to say your prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace. Smack the bitch in the face. Take her Gucci bag and her North Face off her back. Jab her if she act. Funny with the money, oh, you got me mistaken, honey. I don't wanna rape ya. I just want the paper, the visa, Capisha. I'm out like the vapors. Who's the one you call, Mr. Macho? The head honcho. With this like. The second single was simply called Notorious B.I.G. Y'all check it. Call Lil C's. Tell that motherfucker to bring me some motherfucking weed from the hospital. Man. Fuck that. Tell that reporter to go pick up 10,000 from Dez and go take about like 20 G's from Gina. Tell that motherfucker to get this nigga next door up out of here. This nigga be showing all night. I can't sleep. And call that big butt nurse with the long hair to come suck my dick. I need about three weeks of recovery But the nurses is loving me Saying the best part of the day is my half Feeding me breakfast and giving me a sponge bath Nigga say I died dead in the streets Nigga I'm getting high, getting head on the beach Chilling, sitting on about half a million With all my niggas, all my guns, all my women The next two years, I should see about a billion All for the love of drug dealers Got no love for the other side, fuck them tricks Any repercussions, junior mafia spit clips All the time, Big Papa kicked the wall Uh, raw flows, and that's how it goes. Checking out this album, I was surprised to hear Biggie's mom, Valletta Wallace, speaking about her son on the last track. It was poignant, and I thought it was touching. The album went on to sell two times platinum. The next album was called Duets, The Final Chapter, released in 2005. This was another album featuring previously recorded verses, but also created duets with other rappers and artists. This also had two singles, the first one being Nasty Girl. And I never heard this one before, but I like the production on it. The Biggie Duets. Uh, Jazzy Fizzle. Fizzle, Fizzle. Jagged Edge. Biggie Smalls. Ladies and gentlemen. I go on and on and on and go take them to the crib unless they bone in. Easy, call them on the phone and Platinum Chanel cologne and I stay dressed to impress Spark these bitches interest Sex is all I expect if they watch TV in the Lex They know, they know, quarter past four Left the club tips and say no more Except how I'm getting home tomorrow She's a drop you off when he see a D.O. Back of my mind I hope she swallow Man she spilled the drink on my cream wallows Reached the gate, hungry just ate Riffin', she got to be to work by eight must mean she ain't trying to wait Conversate, sex on the first date I state, you know what you do to me She starts off, well I don't usually Then I whip it out, rubber no doubt Step out, show me what you all about Fingers in your mouth, open up your blouse Pull your G-string down south Do that back out, in the parking lot The second single was a song called Spit Your Game featuring Twista and Crazy Bone. It was a remake of the Biggie song Notorious Thugs and featured vocals from the song Suicidal Thoughts. The album was also certified platinum. The thing I discovered as soon as I started doing this research on Biggie's career was just how much he had accomplished in such a short amount of time. I believe I listed as many of the big hits as I could. But truthfully, he recorded so much more for his own albums, but also on others' albums. For someone that died so young as he did, he recorded enough material to span many years beyond his death. Literally, his discography list is pretty long. Check it out for yourself. He also dabbled in TV shows such as the TV show Martin and New York Undercover. So what to say about Biggie's legacy? 
Speaking from personal experience in my little hood in Baltimore, Maryland, all I know is when Biggie hit, it was over. Every guy and girl I knew was all about some notorious B.I.G. His music, his image, his bravado, his swag, everyone was all on it. It was like a universal thing. Biggie was such a big hit that before I did this research, I thought Biggie had been around and even lived longer than he actually did. I just recall that his voice was on so many different songs that I cannot recall a time between 94 and maybe 98 that I did not hear him regularly on the radio at any given point in time. He was just everywhere. I, I know I keep saying it, but like, it's like he was just all day, every day, months and months, years. There was Biggie. There was always Biggie. Well, the impact he made in the hip-hop industry is well-known, and the accolades are long. All music described him as the savior of East Coast hip-hop. I may have said that already. The Source, a magazine he grew up reading and idolizing, named him the greatest rapper of all time in 2002. In 2003, XXL Magazine asked several famed rappers to list their top greatest rappers, and Biggie was noted more than any other. So many other lists. Top 50 MCs of all time by About.com. Top 50 lyrical leaders of all time, also by The Source. Rolling Stone named him the greatest rapper that ever lived, and in 2015, Billboard declared him also the greatest rapper of all time. What more is there to say, really, except I'm honestly so glad I lived during the time that I could experience the mark he made in the industry for myself. Long live the 90s, y'all. That felt like a big episode for me, and I was so nervous, but y'all, I did it, and it's done. Let me know on social media, what are your thoughts on Biggie's legacy? Your thoughts on your favorite songs? What are your favorite videos or memories? Well, that's it from me, people. To the next episode, y'all. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga.